Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good afternoon, everybody. How are you today? Yeah. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint, and we are so glad you're here. If you're a guest with us today, let me just tell you, this is our very first service in this building and uh, you're here, so it makes it just so, so much sweeter. So thank you so much for being here today. Hey, can we give all our guests a hand, everybody? Yeah, thank you for being here. Today is a really cool day for us. Um, for 12 years, we've been homeless. Well, almost 12 years. We haven't had our own home. And uh, so this is, uh, this is building one of two. This will be our kids building in phase two. But for now, it's home. And so we're so glad that you're here and welcome. And, and I know that uh, maybe you guys didn't experience this. Our second service, we had no chairs. We had no place to put anybody. People were parking in the woods. Uh, it was kind of awkward. We're going to figure, we're going to figure all of that that out. So if you came today, it was awkward. We're, we're, we're give us another shot. We're going to figure it out. I promise you. And thanks for thanks for being here with us. And I have to say a couple things real quick. Uh, it would be remiss for me not to just to say thank you to every person in this place who calls this home who at any point during the time that we've been a church, almost 12 years coming on Easter, uh, has given, has served, has volunteered in any way, shape, or form. Thank you so very much. We would not be here if it were not for the folks like you um, who have been a part of our family for so long. And I just got to say thank you to, to, our, to our team, our staff, all of our staff and all of our teams, all of our pastors, our overseers, our trustees, our elders. Thank you all so much. And just one more time, would you give all those folks a hand? They worked so hard to get us here. Thank you. And my beautiful wife, Rachel, and my girls, wherever they are. I've got two girls, 13 and 16, and I love them, and, and so thank you. Hope you guys had a v- happy Valentine's Day and uh, ate good food and chocolate and ladies, whatever, whatever you guys like. I hope you got it, and it was all good. Um, we're in a series, if you didn't know from the Alicia King, Keys tune that Jordan just crushed, by the way. Thank you, Jordan, for doing that for us. We're, we're in a relationship series, and it's Valentine's, so we're like... Why wouldn't we sing Alicia Keys? Because she's awesome and her songs are good. So thank you for uh, uh, doing that with us. Um, we're in a series called Love, Dates, and Heartbreaks. And if you weren't here last week, I just want to tell you, last week we said that everybody, everybody, no matter who you are, no matter what, where you're from, everybody has uh, hopes and dreams and wishes that you carry in from childhood. And, and a lot of times these get a lot more clear as you get older, as you start to date people as you get more serious with people those get clearer and clearer about what you want things to look like and how it's going to go down and how it's going to feel and and what how it's going to look and and what we said is over time as you as, as the the relationship grows and it gets deeper um, a lot of times what we do without even realizing it without even meaning to a lot of times we take what is light and fluffy and airy and beautiful uh, the thumbprint of God the imprint of God on our lives who gives us the, the capacity to dream and envision things we take it over time and we transfer it and we make it uh, expectations and what was light and airy and ethereal now becomes heavy and burdensome sometimes to the people who were never designed by anybody to carry uh, our, our, the weight of our expectations, but we put them on them and say, hey, here, carry these for me, would you, um, and, and make them come true, oh, by the way. And, and so what we said last week was that wise couples learn, happy couples learn over time, and I've talked to a lot of them over the years, they learn that 
that um, not only, not only are, am I going to help you reach your dreams and wishes, you owe me nothing. Or we owe each other everything, but, but you, you owe me nothing in return. Which you would say, well, that doesn't really make sense, but that's the thing about happy couples who've been married a very long time. As much of what they do doesn't make sense to our modern world, our modern culture, but they would tell you it's the best way forward. The other thing we learned last week um, is that Really, and this is uh, Andy Stanley who says this, that Christian marriage is really, and Christian relations are really a, a race to the back of the line. That everybody in the culture is fighting for the first place, and me, 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 and, 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 and when we get it done right, it's a, it's a race to the back of the line. And, and the way that Paul says it in Ephesians 5.21, which is what we talked about last week, is that he says, submit yourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ, or in other words, in honor of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Jesus, when he was teaching his disciples towards the end of his ministry with them, he teaches them this in John 13, 34. He says, listen, fellows, a new command I give you, that you love one another, but there's a weight to it, there's a barb attached to it, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And this becomes... The, the overriding principle, the overarching principle for all relationships is that we love one another as Christ loved us. Now, this doesn't make a lot of sense to the disciples when he says this, but a few weeks later, as he's hanging on a cross, blood pouring out for the sins of the world, it dawns on them, and they remember, he said, we're supposed to love each other like, like that. And so Paul picks that up in Ephesians and in Colossians and in Galatians. And, and in today's message, we're going to learn from a guy named Peter who followed Jesus for three years. And he observed the, the way that Jesus handled his relationships and the teachings that Jesus said. And here's, here's his effort at sort of interpreting what Jesus said. And, 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 and it's not relegated to romantic relationships at all. But we're going to sort of dial in um, about what to do what to do with this bag of hopes and dreams and wishes? What do we do with this thing? Like if I can't just make it expectations and dump it in your lap, what am I supposed to do with these? And he's going to teach us some stuff that is very countercultural in our, in, our, in our modern world. And I want to warn you about that in advance. It's different than maybe what you've thought about or heard, but it's also powerful and genius. And, and, and Peter's idea of what to do with our wishes and our hopes and dreams it's so much better than the alternatives that you and I could come up with because maybe we'd say, what am I supposed to do with my wishes and hopes and dreams? Am I supposed to just forget about them? I'm just going to ignore them? That's unhealthy. And that leads to pretending in relationships. And, and, and if all you do is ever give, 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 and you, you never receive anything down, and in the process of that you push your hopes and dreams and your wishes down, it's going gonna, it's gonna to wear you down on a soul level. It could lead to un some unhealthy patterns and you, you could just stay so busy with hobbies and careers and kids that you never have to deal with these things, but I'm going to tell you that that doesn't do good things either because that turns you into roommates, not soulmates, and that's not the answer either. So on all of those options, end up setting up for another bad option, which is just to find somebody new, right? Now, let me say this. If you are not married, but maybe dating somebody, and you're getting a little closer, a little serious, thinking about making it permanent, and you realize that your wishes and your hopes and dreams are nothing like the person that you're dating's wishes, hopes, and dreams, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you just to run for the hills, like run, forest, run, because you still got time, you know what I'm saying? Run. Um, but if you're in a relationship, and especially, and obviously, if you're married, then simply just finding another person isn't going to solve anything, and here's why. 
wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> Somebody's like, what is that? Oh. See, you might trade in for a new person, but part of the issues that you had in the, with the other person are coming with you. Wherever you are, there you are. And if the last person couldn't fulfill your wishes, hopes, and dreams, who's to say that the next person will either? Because here's the other thing I know. When you find a new person, here's what I know about, you, about them. I've met them. I've met all the new people that you're going to meet, and they're all on their very, very best behavior, right? And so they haven't yet told you about what's in their bags, it's not wishes and hopes and dreams. It's hurts, habits, and hang-ups, right? And they're about to dump that on you. But if you ask their mama, or you ask their ex, or their college friends or roommates, they'll tell you, this ideal that you're seeing, let me tell you about the real over here, right? They'll tell you that. And uh, the thing I know about you is that you're on your best behavior as well. So the question is, what do we do with this stuff? So Peter picks up on the idea that Jesus laid down when he said, a new command I give you, love one another as, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And then Peter, Paul picks up in Ephesians 5.21, Ephesians 5, chapter, verse 2, um, he says, and walk in the ways of love. Uh, love. You're supposed to walk in the way of love, which is what Jesus is saying. Peter runs on with this put other people first in your relationships idea. And he doesn't, he doesn't use the phrase mutual submission like Paul did. Um, he uses a different term, and it's, he's going to make this, what do we do with these? He's going to make it super practical. So here's what Peter says, and this is in 1 Peter chapter 5. It's powerful. He says, in the same way, you who are younger, all the younger say amen. I gave all of you the opportunity to say amen, to, <laughs> to say younger, and you missed your moment right there. He says, submit yourselves. That's a dirty word, right? Submit. Nobody wants to talk about that in our culture, but this isn't here in the Bible. Submit yourselves to your elders, and all the parents in the room should say amen, like, like kids, read this verse, read this verse, but then he wants to make sure we're all included, he says, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. So, so this is a general relational principle that we're going to apply today specifically to romantic relationships, because that's a series that we're in. And when he says, clothe yourselves with humility, what he's saying is, I want you to go small, I want you to go others first. I want you to go to the back of the line instead of the front of the line. I want you, as, as Andy Stanley says, I want you to have a mutual submission competition. Um, and th so here's, here's the practice. Here's the practice of what Peter's getting at here in this verse. is to start by asking yourself a question. In, in every situation where there's tension, where, in every situation where there is the possibility of unmet needs and unex un unfulfilled expectations and and anger and frustration. In every one of those situations, ask yourself, what would a humble person do? What would a humble person do? In this situation, in, in, in every situation, what would a humble person do? Now, you might be thinking, Danny, this might be the dumbest thing you've ever said, right? Because I'm not humble, and I don't want to be humble. Humble's for chumps or humble's for weakness. But before you check out, you may want to know why Peter says this, all right? Now, I know this is strange, but if you want a real breakthrough in your current relationships, and I don't care what kind of relationship it is, if you want a real breakthrough in your current relationship, the next time there's tension, the next time there's conflict, stop and ask yourself this question, what would a humble person do? And I know what you're thinking is like, I know what I'm about to do right now, I'm about to cut somebody for, for Jesus. <laughs> Just a little nick, you know what I'm saying? Just a little nick. 
but, but I know what I normally do. I, I know how I feel. I know the anger that's rising up, right? I know what my mama would do in this situation, but you just stop and you go, okay, what, what, what would happen if instead of fighting for the right to, I said this earlier and I didn't mean to, but fight for the right. What, what, what if instead of that, I were to go small? What if instead of fighting for my way and fighting for what I think I deserve and fighting for what my rights are, what if I said I'm going to go to the back of the line? If I were to put someone else first, what would that look like in this moment that I'm in right now when I'm faced with this decision of how I'm going to react to what, that, what, what th- would just happen? What would a humble person do? Now, before you shut me down, here's why Peter says this. First, f- Peter 5, he says, Clothe yourself with humility because God opposes the proud like i don't know about you but if you believe in god i i I don't think you want to be in opposition to god right come on that's just not a good plan like i like you can have a five-year plan but don't have as part of the five-year plan hey let's get on the bad side of god right so peter who spends three years plus following jesus around observing him watching what he does and seeing how he responds to pride because Jesus was constantly interacting with what was called the Pharisees, and these were the religious elite of the day who were filled with pride, filled with pride at their own so-called holiness, their own so-called righteousness, and each time that Jesus would interact with these people, he would resist them, he would oppose them, which, by the way, the King James says that God resists the proud, and, and so Peter saw this firsthand that God pulls back from pride, that God leans away from and resists proud individuals. And some of you would say, yeah, you know what, Danny, that's, that's why I can't get on board with the whole God thing, that God's the kind of being that would pull back from some kinds of people. But before you judge God too harshly, let's think about it from our own perspective. You're probably not drawn to arrogant people, are you? Do you want to be around people who are entitled all the time, like you owe me, everybody owes me something? Do you want to be around the kind of people who could care less how their actions affect you, who don't even think about how their actions affect you, right? We all do this. But he doesn't just oppose the proud, because Peter's not done yet. He says, because God opposes the proud, proud, but he shows what? Favor to the humble. So on the one hand, God leans away from pride he opposes pride but on the other hand he's like oh humility now i can get on board with this and i'm going to show grace and i'm going to show favor there and so 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 this is an incredible promise here this is promise number one of two in this text here's what this means paul Paul, peter says that when you humble yourself in a relationship it is an invitation to god to give you the strength that you need to to give you the endurance you need the power you need to maintain and to do the right thing even when you naturally don't want to do the right thing Even when this other person is giving you all of the reasons to do the other thing, God has an invitation with with humility to come and help you, empower you to do the right thing. And humility, throughout the Old Testament, through the New Testament, there's this trajectory to it, this arc of it that God shows favor and God opposes. You can see it from the beginning to to the end. It's such a big deal that when we decide, what what would a humble person do and we go small, when we go to the back of the line, when we go others first, it is an invitation for God to do something extraordinary in our lives and in our relationships and in our marriages. And Peter goes on and says, humble yourselves, therefore. And anytime you see the word therefore, you always ask yourself, 
what's it there for? And it's, it's about context, and it's about deciding what does he mean, what did he say before, and what he says is God opposes the proud, but he gives grace and, and favor to the humble. So therefore, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of God's mighty hand, I, I think of the Hulk, right? Hulk smash! You know what I'm saying? Like, some of your kids have a Hulk hand at home, like, and you see the movies where he's like breaking things with his hand, it's like, is that what we mean by the mighty hand of God? No, no, no. Is it just me? Hulk smash? Okay. I see Jude right here. Jude knows what Hulk smash is. Come on, Jude, right? J- Jude's a ninja warrior, y'all, right here in the front row, in case you wondered. N- ninja warrior. You're going to see him on TV someday, y'all. He's going to be right there. Hulk smash. Um, sorry, Jude. I didn't mean to call you out like that, bro. I just saw you right there at that moment. Um, like, like, is he going to squash me under his mighty hand? No, no, that's not what he means at all. It just means to be under the, the umbrella of God's protection in the way, and listen to me, in the way that every good father will go to any length, great lengths to protect his children from whatever. Like, you come up against my kid, you're going to come up against my mighty hand. And if it's not mighty enough, you're going to come up against my mighty nine. <laughs> I'll go sideways with it, man. I don't even know if this is a good way to shoot a gun or not, but I will do it. <laughs> Am I right, y'all? You'll come, you, like, don't jack with my kids, man. Don't jack with my kids. So what Peter is intimating is that when you go humble, you're, li- listen, when you, when you go humble, you're literally placing yourself under the umbrella, the protection. You are leaning back into the safest place on the planet. When you go humble, so you ask yourself, when you feel like powering up and you feel like running over or demanding or whatever, he says, commit to humility instead and ask yourself, what would a humble person do right here? And when you do this, you're inviting God to do something so powerful in your relationships and extraordinary in and through you, which brings us to the second promise here in Peter's text. He says, humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. When you go low, when you power down instead of powering up, and extraordinary things can happen in and through you. When you, when you choose to, to go small instead of large, God says, listen, I see you when you do that, and I will lift you up in due time. And what Peter is letting us in, and, and maybe it's just me, maybe it's just me, there are times, there are certain kinds of people Oh, it seems like it's their mission in life to make you feel small. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, have you ever been around people? It's like their whole plan. Maybe it's your, maybe it's your, maybe it's your family, right? You're like, yeah, that's, I'm sitting next to this person right now. <laughs> Don't say anything right now. I'm trying to help, all right? But I've been around people. It's like they want to make you feel small. And, it, and it's in those seasons when, and maybe it's just my own insecurities. Probably that's what it is. When I'm, I'm, I try to, I feel like I want to just power up, like to, to get large, to sort of swell up on my own. We fight, we defend, we run over, we ma- manipulate, we overpower in an effort to feel bigger. And all it does is the net result is we end up making ourselves smaller in the process. But if we choose to go small in those moments to get low, God, listen, listen, God himself will come along and power us up, lift us up. God himself will provide the power. God himself will get involved on our behalf and give us the strength to do what we cannot do on our own. Some of you may be thinking, well, what does this, what does this mean? 
Like, how does this apply to my relationship? Just tell me to go on dates and, 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 and have a date night once a week. Like, like, tell me that. I've already told you all that like 77 times. I'm telling you something different now. <laughs> right? So I, th- I think when Peter was writing this, it made perfect sense because of the context, the culture that he was in. But, but, but I think he's going to make it so... I think he's going to give us a handle to pick this up with, to know what to do with it. He's going to give us a handle because here's what he says in the next part of the verse. What does it mean to be under God's mighty hand? What does it mean to go low? He says, cast all of your anxieties on him. All of your worries, all of your cares, all of your anger, all of your frustrations, all of the yeah, but what if, and why didn't you said, and you said, like cast all of that on him. Now, this has so many application points that I could make, but I want to stay on topic and apply it to romantic relationships. R- remember, we have this big bag of hopes and dreams and wishes that we've been carrying around, and there's always this temptation. Every one of us, I don't care how well-adjusted you are, like, like every one of us has this temptation to put it in, in the lap of, a, of somebody else and say, here, make these come true, carry these around for me, and, 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 and do that. And what Peter's saying is, is instead of, of that, take all of the anxiousness and, and all of the frustrations and all of the anger about how I thought it was going to be and, and how I thought we were going to do and all the promises that we made and the vows that we took and, and, and all the stuff that we had, take all of that hurt and all that frustration, all of those worries and, and, and take it and cast it on your Father. Now remember we're talking about the God under whose mighty hand we're standing and this is an invitation to literally unload all of the baggage on God and here's what Peter's getting at. Instead of doing the thing that feels natural, which is taking your bag and dumping it on your significant other and asking them to carry that around and make them come true. I want you to hurl them, cast them, put them on, load your baggage up, take all of your baggage and load it upon your heavenly Father. All of your anxieties and all of your worries and all of your frustrations and all of your, I don't know if I can take this anymore, and all of your unfulfilled dreams, and all of your unmet expectations, and all of your promises, and, and I thought she meant this, and I thought he was going to do that, and I, ta- I thought we talked that through the last time, and I thought we agreed on all that. Peter says, before you take it to them, take it to him, and cast all of, your heaven, cast all of it on your heavenly Father. And do you know where this becomes practical? Do you know where you take your burdens to your heavenly Father, you know where you cast it upon him? You do that via prayer. But but this is not the kind of prayer that maybe if you grew up in some religious context that you grew up with this, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die, what? That's in the, remember we taught our kids? (laughs) If you die tonight, now go to sleep. Have a good night's sleep kind of jacked up, man. <laughs> right? It's not the cute, memorized prayers that we had. It's the prayer of the psalmist David who's like, hey God, where are you when I'm hurting and I'm broken? There's people trying to kill me. Where are you? It's gut level. It's visceral. It's like, wow. Yeah, but can we say that to God? Can we, can we be that honest to him? David was a man after God's own heart. But you read the Psalms and you'll find a man who got frustrated and who got hurt and who couldn't understand why this stuff was happening to him and each time he would take it and hurl it on God. It's that kind of prayer. 
This is how you practice this in the real world. And I'm going to argue that some of us, when we do this, you probably need to get on your knees by yourself somewhere to do this. And some of you would say, no, Danny, I can pray anywhere. I can pray in the car. I can drive down the road. Yeah, I, I do it too, and you can do that. But do you remember what we're talking about today? What would a humble person do? And do you know what getting on your knees demonstrates? Humility. And, and maybe if you're very frustrated and maybe if you're generally like concerned that like I don't know if we're going to survive this and maybe if you want to go next level with this because you're really desperate and, and you're about to unload some heavy stuff on God, maybe while you're on your knees there you raise your hands up to God. So like I know that's weird, man. Strange. If you're, if you're not a person who's raised hands up before, you're like, that's super weird, bro. But do, but do you know who raises up their hands? Little kids. And when they raise their hands... They're saying, and you remember this, those of you who have little kids right now, they're still doing this. They raise their hands, Daddy, pick me up. Daddy, lift me up. Daddy, you're stronger than me. Can you pick me up? I want to be where you are, Dad. I want to be closer to you, Dad. I need you. I'm under your mighty hand. Lift me up in due season. I want to be close because I need you. There's something about your posture when you're unloading and your burdens, and you're casting it all on him. Something about your posture, I think, that matters, and when you decide I'm going to get in the habit of casting all my hopes and all my dreams and all my desires on my Father in heaven, you should be in a posture. I just, I'm just trying to tell you what I think and what I, I feel like I know. It, it signifies submission, and if it's a really tough season, not only do we get on our knees, but maybe we lift our hands because he promised I'll lift you up. If you go low, I promise you, if you'll go low, if you'll, go, if you'll fight for the back of the line, if, you, if you'll do that, I promise you, I'll lift you up in due season. In other words, here's what Peter is saying. Look, you're going to take your, your, your anger and your frustration and your, and, your, and, your, and your energy and your anger or whatever. You're going to take all of that and you're going to drop it off somewhere. Why not start with your father in heaven? Not the guy down the, in the next cubicle who's an easy target. Not, not your kids, because that's my frustration. My, my tendency is when I'm frustrated or I'm hurt or I'm mad, or I'm, I, I, I'll take it out on the people who are most vulnerable around me sometimes. And I had to go through recovery for that, by the way. And I don't mean I was violent. I wasn't violent. I just mean with my mouth. I would take it out on my kids. And it was the easy thing to do. And God's saying, don't, don't do that. Don't go for the easy target. Bring all of it to me. I guarantee you today in this room there are people who would tell you who if I invited them up here would tell you stories of times when they got desperate in their relationships and they learned to pour out their hearts to their Heavenly Father and here's what they would say they would say it was when I got gut-level honest. It was that habit, the, the, the prayers of desperation. It wasn't those polite little memorized prayers. It was in those moments of desperation that I found the strength to carry on. I, I found the strength to endure in a season that I didn't think I could have survived. When I look back on I don't even know how it came through that other than, than this. I found the ability to take one more step 
when I wanted my next step to be to walk out. I found the ability to go back into the relationship. I found the ability to listen when I wanted just to be understood. I wanted to talk. I found my strength. And I found it on my knees in a small place. And in a small place, in a still place, in a quiet place, I experienced the peace of God and the presence of God. And sometimes when I was so down, when I was so broken, when I was so hurting, I could feel the mighty hand of God lifting me up like a little child, even as a grown man, and giving me the strength to stand one more time when I didn't think I could take any more. There are people who have that story in this room today. And look, if you've never been if you're new to faith or you're new to church or you're kicking the tires for the first time or maybe you grew up in some sort of religious context and you've never been honest with God, you've never opened your heart completely wide to God, I don't think he wants just polite and memorized prayers. I think it's gut level. I think it's visceral. I think it's part of humility. It's, it's, it's heart open wide. God, I... I'm so frustrated and I, I don't know how to do this anymore and I don't, I'm fed up and I don't know what to do with these bags that, that I, I thought were so, were going to be so different. Like, like maybe it's just me, but those of you who are a little older now, I know I look like I'm 20, but I'm really more than that. <laughs> Psych. You ever have those days where you wake up and think, is this really it? Is this all there is? Like, what happened to 20-year-old version of Danny's hopes and dreams? And you take that, you take that to God, and, but, but maybe you'd say, I'm, I'm not, I don't know how to do that, Danny, because maybe the church that you grew up in presented God as this kind of angry, far-off being who was chronically disappointed in you because that's kind of how I felt my whole life. Or, or maybe you've had some really hard stuff happen in your life that has driven you away from God or from the church. Listen, listen, I get it, man. I get that. But what I'm inviting you to do, what I'm asking you to do, pleading, if I can use that word, is to give your f Heavenly Father a second look. Because look what Paul says at the back end of this passage. He says, cast all of your anxiety, all of your frustration, your worries, your cares, all of the things in your relationship, bring them, hurl them, load God up with him. And here's why, because, verse 6, he cares for you. Is that, is that real? The, the reason that you can bring all of your stuff to him, the, the, the reason he's not going to be offended with your honesty, the reason he's not going to shut you down, the reason he's not going to be like, whoa, you can't use that kind of language with me, the reason he's not going to do that is because he cares for you. And you know what that means? Is this, that if it's important to you, it's important to your heavenly Father as well. If it's breaking your heart, it's breaking his heart. That's how every good father is. If it's important to you, it's important to your heavenly father because you 
You are important to your heavenly Father. So Peter writes this. He's not writing it as a guru on a mountaintop. He's not writing it as this sage. Peter walked with Jesus for three years. He saw everything Jesus did, all of the miracles, water to wine, raising the dead, healing the sick, casting out the demons. Like, he sees it. He walks on water, and Peter's like, can I come? And Jesus says, come on. Peter walks on water. He sees all of this, and after three years, do you know what Peter's response is to that? He betrays Jesus. And do you know what Jesus' response was to Peter? Come on, man. Come on back in. And not only does he take Peter back in, he puts Peter in charge of the entire enterprise. And so when Peter says, you got to trust me, he can handle your worst things. If you put it on him, I promise you, he can handle your stuff. Because Peter saw it first hand. Cast all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And your heavenly father says, start with me. Trust me. Bring your stuff to me. All of your lists, all of your wishes, all of your wants, all the stuff that you've put over here, all of the expectations that you thought, all the things that you were, all of the frustration, all the anger, bring it all to me. I love you. You can count on me that if you go low, if you fight for the back of the line, if you get into a mutual submission competition with your spouse, with your loved one, I guarantee you I'm going to show myself strong on your behalf. I'm, I'm going to pray for you, and, and I would just encourage you, if you're a person of prayer, to pray your prayer, you know what to do. If you don't know, maybe you just start with, God, I don't know how to do this, and I don't know what to do or what to say, but Lord, you know me, and you know what's going on in my life, and I just want to bring that to you. I think that if you did that, that would be awesome. C- could you, would you pray with me for a moment? Lord, thank you. Thank you for these two promises that if we go low, you will lift us up and you will empower. You will get actively involved. You, When we go low, when we ask what would a humble person do, we are inviting you to move in powerful, powerful, extraordinary ways on our behalf. And then the second part is that we're promised that we can take all of our stuff, God, that we don't know what to do with, and we're so disappointed and we're so frustrated and we can't believe this is what's happening. We didn't imagine it would look like this. We can take all of that and dump it on you because you care for us like any good father would. And Lord, you come, and we can come to you with our worst stuff. Peter lets us know because Peter experienced this in his own way that we can bring it to you and know that you will not turn your back on us. You are not disappointed in us. You already know all of it anyway. And we can dump it off in you and you will come. And Jesus, you said, all you who are tired and weary and heavy laden, come to me. Bring your burdens to me and I will give you rest for your soul's 
And many of us are there even right now, God. And maybe it's not even relationships. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's something else that we're burdened with, something else that we're carrying. The promise is true no matter what. So, Father, we just come to you. And we invite you to come in. And some of us, Lord, we've never invited you to come live in our hearts. We've never sort of bowed the knee to you. But today, God, we want to do that. And we're just going to pray together, Lord that you would become our Lord and that you would become our Savior and you would become the forgiver of our sins, Lord, that we're going to pivot, we're going to turn from the ways that we've been going because the ways we've been going have led to heartache and brokenness and pain. And Lord, we want to we change. We want to change. We wanna, and you promised to make us new and to, give us become, to help us become brand new creations. And so Lord, God, we invite you to do that. Come live in me, Lord. Come change my life. Come Take my stuff, Lord. Take all my hurts and habits and hang-ups and brokenness. I lay it down at your feet. And in exchange for that, you make me new. Thank you for that, I pray in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray over every relationship and over every marriage and over every relationship that's budding right now and people that are looking to get involved. Lord, I pray, God, you give them wisdom to remember, fight for the back of the line, mutual submission. God, help us to be humble because when we're humble, we invite you in to do what we can never do on our own. And we thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said a big old amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand, everybody? Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week, and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.